0: This message comes from Rock Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. March 28, 2021. Zechariah 9, 9 to 17. Now, I've seen a lot of commercials for energy drinks and things that will boost your energy level. Uh, maybe you've seen them too. And Maybe if you're like me, you'll occasionally have a cup of coffee or something to, to help you as you're taking a drive down the road to stay alert and stay awake. I'm sure a lot of people do it. They, they take something to boost their, their energy and alertness. But we probably know, right? Uh, nothing really does as well as a good night's sleep, a healthy diet, and good exercise. But we still at times need that extra boost. But it won't last. This can be true with the spiritual realm, too. The joy that we have, the exuberance in our faith, can sometimes find a temporary lift. But where do we find lasting, continual joy? Well, we see in Zechariah chapter 9, the the joy that causes us to rejoice greatly. Well, this morning we look at how God reverses our place one more time. We see how he brings us from suffering in prison, to shining in paradise. And this is our source, our constant and full source of joy. You know, there are a lot of people right now, I think, that are starting to feel a little bit excited that they can finally return after all the pandemic stuff to some things to normal. Some aren't so optimistic. Some are perhaps more cautious. But they're starting to get excited. It's a muted excitement, though. Can you picture how the people of Israel felt? They were returning back to what should have been normal after 70 years. Not just one or two years of a pandemic, but 70 years of exile. But now they were finally getting a chance to return back to their homeland, back to the temple, and to build up Jerusalem and to build the house of the Lord and return to worship. Imagine that kind of excitement. You'd think that when they came back, The temple would be filled with bursting of joy and excitement, but it was muted. Some were not just cautiously pessimistic, but even apathetic. As the people were returning back to God's house, you would have to travel and you'd see the temple not being rebuilt. You wouldn't hear shouts of joy resounding from all the people in the city. No, you'd see people who were letting the temple just sit, unrestored, unoccupied, unused. They were busy with their own things because they were facing poverty and difficulties. That, that worship of the Lord was not exuberant. It was not joyful. You had prophets like Haggai and Zechariah telling the people that it's still a problem with their sin and the people were still not rejoicing because of the things they were suffering. When you look at this and you see Zechariah chapter 9, You have to wonder, how can God say what he says there? He says, rejoice greatly. Oh, but the people might say, oh, well, we'll rejoice just greatly? How can we rejoice greatly when we're in poverty and the temple's not restored yet and there's so much worry around us of our enemies being stronger than us and life isn't going the way we wanted? Rejoice greatly. Now, you and I don't have, obviously, the the destruction of God's temple that we're returning from. And our joy is not tempered by the fear that our enemies are more powerful than us. And we're not struggling under poverty. And the house of the Lord is not unoccupied. We are here to rejoice in the Lord. And you might say, I'm here to rejoice this morning greatly and shout aloud as God invites us to. But do we always even if it is this morning, a day where you feel like shouting out loud for joy, do we always desire to shout aloud and sing for joy to the Lord our God? That's what we're invited to do in Zechariah chapter 9. What does it take to, to stifle our joy or to silence our shouting aloud the name of the Lord? Don't misunderstand. I'm not talking just the fact that maybe some of us don't like to sing or can't sing. In fact, I know a lot of Christians who can't sing, but they still love the Lord and they still shout aloud and, and sing for joy. In fact, in seminary, we had a classmate who really couldn't sing. And you could tell when he was there and worship in chapel every morning that he loved the Lord. But we didn't care because God doesn't care about the tune, He cares about the heart. So I'm not talking about singing for joy because you have the ability or gift to sing. No, that's not it. Don't misunderstand. God looks at the heart. And maybe, just maybe, you might say, well, sometimes I don't feel like singing because it's just not the right occasion. And that's true, right? The scriptures say there is a time for everything, a time for mourning and a time for dancing, a time for weeping and a time for laughing. Sometimes the occasion just doesn't call for joy to the world or shouts of joy. Maybe the occasion and the circumstance doesn't call for that. I'm not talking about that either. I'm talking about when you're invited to shout for joy and sing aloud to the Lord. What does it take to stifle that joy and the desire to sing to God? Well, for some, that stifling can happen rather easily. Maybe they'll get excited when they hear the song that's, that's their song or their tune. But maybe they won't sing quite so loud if it's not their favorite style of music or their tune. Can you imagine if that would stifle the people of Israel? How, how ridiculous that would sound to us? Oh, Barakai is playing the shakbat and shofar today. I don't really feel like singing along. He plays the shakbat too loud. And today we're singing to the tune of the lilies and do not destroy and that psalm, we sang that last Sabbath. I don't wanna sing it again. Be very ridiculous in our eyes if that would stifle the rejoicing of the people in the temple as they worshiped. But there are other things that can stifle our singing and our joy. For the people of Israel, they were losing sight of what brought them joy. And maybe when our sinning and our stifling of our joy and our shouts of joy aren't there or we don't feel like producing it, it's not because we're failing to meet God's demand to shout for joy. It's because we're failing to look at something besides the suffering of our sin. And we're caught in the mere imprisonment of our sin and suffering and failing to see what God says here, why he invites us to shout for joy. God doesn't say merely, you better shout for joy. He gives us the reason why. If we fail to see that reason, we fail to put our trust in him. We fail to have what drives our faith and our hope. And yes, eventually, we will fail and have the danger of failing to sing for joy once again, ever, our faith is built on this. Shout aloud. O daughter of Jerusalem, sing for joy, Jacob. Why? Because your king comes to you. The cause for our joy and our sinning is looking outside of the the pit of sin and despair that we are in in this world to the coming one. Your king comes to you. And as he comes, he's described as coming gentle and humble and having salvation. Since we could not come from the pit of our sin and despair, and we'd have no cause to sing for joy within our own life, our God came to us to bring us joy. His coming is the cause for our celebration. His coming is the cause for us to shout aloud and sing. And he did that. We see in all four gospel accounts how our king came. Jesus fulfilled what was prophesied here in the book of Zechariah. Your king coming to you humble and gentle, riding on a donkey. Jesus entered into the city in lowliness, but in lowliness, bringing salvation with him for his people. That's why the the children and the crowds before him were shouting and singing songs of joy, Hosanna, because their king was coming to them to save them from their prison. And that salvation is described by Zachariah as far greater than any we could imagine. To save his people, to save you and me from our prison of sin, which would silence us forever and give us no cause for rejoicing, but only despair. Our king came and he lowered himself and came into Jerusalem, bearing our sin for us. And he would leave that same city of Jerusalem carrying the weight of our sins along with the cross. Our king comes in lowliness to humbly take our place and set us free from our prison so that we might praise him and shout for joy. Jesus did this, and he still comes. Sing and shout for joy because your king comes to you. He comes to you still today in his word in lowliness. Just as he came humbly and gently to the people on a donkey, coming with salvation, he comes to you with salvation today in his word. In his word, you hear of your king, who humbly came to save and bring you salvation, to rescue you from the pit of sin, and to lift you up. And your king comes to you humbly, as he promised, as he says he is present with you. Wherever two or three gather in his name, he is there. And he always will be. And your king comes to you humbly, as he says here in Zechariah, because of his blood of his covenant. Jesus says he comes to you in the sacrament with his own body and blood, with the bread and wine. And he comes in lowliness so that you might receive that new covenant of his blood for the forgiveness of sins. Rejoice, your king comes to you. When you consider as we gather in his name, He is present. He gives us his supper and his body and blood and his covenant, and he is here present with us. Isn't that reason to rejoice? And finally, he comes to you. Only next time he comes, your king won't be coming in lowliness and humility, bringing salvation. He'll come in victory, bringing restoration. He will come in glory with all of his angels and the living Jesus will come again. And when we see him again, we will have what Zechariah prophesies in this picture. Did you catch all the pictures of the restoration? It says, to the ends of the earth, all those who long for his coming will shout, Hosanna, as our king puts an end to war, and he brings you peace. Shout for joy on that day when your king comes. And that peace which he brings you, he describes as, did you see that? rejoicing as if boisterous, as if drunk with wine, like a jewel in his crown, thriving in his presence because of the paradise he has won for you. He is your king. We don't need some sawn to work us up. We don't need some circumstance or some special drink or energy booster to cause us to rejoice. We have reason to respond To this invitation, shout aloud, sing for joy. Our King comes to us and he reverses our place from suffering in prison and in silence to greatly rejoicing and shining in paradise. Amen.